Is that a new hoodie? Uh, it is, Al. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I have not seen that before. Yeah, it's Are you the Flash? Hoodie, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It does look like the Flash. You're a little right, bit. Al. Yeah, a little bit. Nice. It just caught my eye. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're down the rink. Obviously, Gagne in the lineup. They need secondary scoring. That's a part of it, right? Uh, it's basically, uh, so look for two changes. You're going to see uh, Gagne go in in place of Yanmark, who hasn't scored in 27 games or whatever the hell it is. So, mm-hmm. you know what? You can only take penalty killing so far right and ryan mcleod's now going to play with connor brown on the penalty kill for anybody wondering yep and uh then who will play with fogel in that third unit uh, i think dylan holloway in the future will get chances i don't expect it tomorrow though so maybe leon yeah i think leon um you know combination of of him kane or uh, or mcdavid is what i would be guessing Right, is probably what you'll see tomorrow. So I really like if you look at it, Al. It's funny to say in Edmonton, but the Orders' offense, like that game in LA, the Orders' top line was terrible. Um, they weren't good. Yeah, like David, the puck would not dance. For no, him. like yeah. it was bouncing all of a stick, and you know, missing guys when they're open and stuff. It was odd. So it was just kind of an off night. But I do think the Orders, like Detroit, comes in here ten two and two in their last fourteen games. Like yep. it's not going to be an easy game. And actually, nope. then you got the Blues who are rolling. Right, they're fifteen seven and one since their coaching change, and they got the Dallas Stars. So this is this is a good week for the orders to uh, like when you win twenty four of twenty seven. People, oh, you're just going to win forever. They're not going to win forever. But it's funny how to me their biggest weakness right now is their scoring, which yep. is stunning to me. And I think it's something they have to address. Like the Leon Drysdale line was very good on the weekend. They're their best line. They the were top line is going to be fine. Yeah. But you know, McLeod, Fogel, Holloway, they got to get something going, yep. right? And uh, and their first line, like the one thing Sam Gagne's done when he's got in the lineup, he's produced offense. And and he doesn't need to be with Leon or McDavid no. to do it. That's a big deal. Hundred percent, it is. Yeah. So, um, and and the coach didn't uh, he didn't shy away from it. I uh, just said, hey, you know what? Uh, we, we need more. We need more secondary scoring from down the lineup. So uh, Sam Gagne will be. Uh, Will hopefully be that guy that maybe uh, injects a little offensive life into the orders. The um, this this the, the, I will admit I don't often get irritated because people are allowed to have their opinions or they don't have to agree with me. But I keep hearing this and I it it just it it I don't like it because it's gone on so long and people just have to look up the numbers. So. Evander Kane. All I hear about is Evander Kane can't play. Evander <laughs> Kane had a hat trick on the weekend. Evander Kane at five on five away from Connor Brown has a 52% goal share. When Brown and Kane have played together, mostly when Brown was not up to 100%, and he may not be now, they were 2-11 and 11 together. Take Kane away from Brown, and he's playing well. I don't know how hard that is for people to understand. Kane is he is contributing as he has. Now, he's had injury issues, but as a productive player, if you're over 50% and you're on your way to a 30-goal season, I think that's pretty productive. It, saying Kane isn't producing is probably one of the dumbest hot takes like there's really no way to defend it what do you mean he's not producing here well goal for that's not what you're talking about right and and goal goal share can be very misleading unless like you look at if it was year after year after year after year guys who get outshot and out chance but they outscored like a chris russell there was actually numbers to show why right mm-hmm. because he blocked so many shots all the the shot metrics weren't great but he never gave up goals his goals against was always the best yeah. or second best on the team and evander kane scores goals yep. and he doesn't score a lot of goals in the power play right he scores goals. So, and and really, I don't, I don't even care if you score goals in the power play. Last I checked, you don't get less points. Uh, you don't get deducted because you score on the power play. So, I, uh, yeah, and Kane, he's a big power forward. They, they're a team that isn't overly physical. 
I think people talk, there's zero reason to get rid of Evander K. None. In fact, him and Corey Perry, why do you think they've worked together? They're kind of similar. They're, they're bigger bodies. And Corey Perry knows how to think the game. Like, if you look at playing with Leon Dreisaitl, who did Corey Perry play the first 15, 12, 15 years of his career with? Yeah, exactly. Brian Getzlaff, yeah. a very similar type of player. Big body, right? Getzlaff was ornery at times, right? Now, it's probably tougher than Drysaddle because he could fight, but, mm. you know, ornery. Different era, too, though. Yeah, yeah. stubborn player, really more of a passer than a shooter, right? Like, Leon's obviously a better shooter than, than uh, Getzlaff ever was, but... I, you see, like, they had almost instant chemistry, that trio. Yeah. They played very well. And I know the first line's going to get back. So, although, like, Nugent Hopkins has got to get something done here at some point. So He but, has been, in the last, I'd say, dozen games, has been yeah, very little offense. Very little. So, yeah. Kane is, Kane, to me, is not a guy I would worry about. And the other factor is, Kane has been banged up. That, that's the one factor a little bit. He, he always seems to have the nagging injuries, and so that does impact his game. But after the break, he's come out, and look how good he's looked. You yeah. know, so he's, he's healthy again. Now, how long that lasts is a question, because for whatever reason, the, the nagging injuries do seem to follow him around. Yeah, and he's also, you know, let's be honest here, he's, a, he's older now, and that does have an impact. Once you turn 30... You know, wait till you get to 60. But once you turn 30, stuff starts falling off a little bit. If he was playing at 60, I would be unreal. He'd be the Yarmer (laughs) Jagger of the NHL. (laughs) Um, So trade deadline, everybody wants to talk about it. Uh, Jake Gensel's name's out there. I just feel like the, the, the asset cost would be so large for the owners to go get him. Well, and I look at, like, what are the chances that Jake Gensel is here after the playoffs? Not. Right? So no. if if you could get another player in or two that will give you two runs at the cup owl because even no. if the orders win this year let's just say perfect kansas city Chiefs scenario the orders win well they would like to compete again next year right yep. so i don't like the gensel one because the odds of him re-signing in edmonton i think are low They're american low. born player you just look yep. at the history of it i'd be surprised so i don't know like i think there's other guys that you could look at that probably would cost less, number one, because I think, as you alluded to, Al, the asset management isn't going to be the best per se. Yep. So I think there's other options available. Now, Tyler Toffoli, if he becomes available, I think he's a really good option. And that's the guy I think is actually kind of the perfect fit mm-hmm. for what they have stylistically. He's playing really well. I had 34 goals he last year. He can help year. out score. He has 21 this yep. year. He score, can score five on five. Uh, he's got. He's won a Stanley Cup, so he checks off a lot of boxes. <laughs> yep. Then there's, you know, Anthony declares an interesting one because he's a left shot, but he plays right wing, mm-hmm. right? So, so he's an option. I don't. He might cost the least for sure. Well, I think he will because he's his numbers aren't great. Because, but partly of that is he's on a terrible yeah, team. Yeah, he's on a terrible team. Doesn't really like he's not playing with the McDavid or a dry saddle at center there, right? So uh, that's something. Look at him. Is he clearly better than Fogel? Well, he's a better finisher. He scored thirty goals once, mm-hmm. right? Like Warren Fogel is historically a 13 goal scorer, mm-hmm. right? So maybe he has a great year and he scores 17. That's kind of who he is. And I like Warren Fogle, but I don't see Warren Fogle as my answer to my second line, right? Corey Perry has better finishing hands than Warren Fogle does, right? right? So now Fogle doesn't have the, sp- I mean, Perry doesn't have the speed of Fogle, right? So, you know, could Corey Perry be that guy for two games? It looks like he's been fine, right? Like he probably should have scored in LA. Well, he should have scored that goal. If you, yeah. if you t- I talked to him today about it. He's like, yeah, I got, you know, I got to bury that. Right. Mm-hmm. And it was uh, a hell of a chance. Yeah. Uh, but you look at how they created, how they work off each other, right? Like I think sometimes in the NHL, everybody just thinks, well, blazing Mark is Mark Stone a blazer. No, God no. Is no. Marcia so a blazer? God no. Like not everybody has to be 
Connor McDavid, Ryan McLeod flying up and down the ice, Nathan McKinnon, right? They don't have to be. No. Nazem Kadri is pretty impactful in the playoffs when they won. Nachushkin, pretty impactful. Those guys aren't like, you know, blazing speed every time. They're, they're fast, right? Right. It's like people say Kane isn't a fast skater. I'm like, what are you talking about? Kane's a fine skater, yeah. right? Uh, so I don't, I, I don't see an issue with Kane. I know that people have issues yeah, with Kane, I don't but I, an issue with Kane. I don't think there's an issue like, with him. None, none of Kane's issues are on the ice, in my opinion, no. right? Like it gets a little pouty every now and then, stuff like that. That, but I'm well, like, his media interviews, you know, he, he, he sulks a little bit, but who, I don't care. Yeah. I'd rather have him be upset that he's not playing. He's, all, he's pretty honest, right? Like no. today, you know, you ask him about At least the thing I respect about Kane is he'll answer a question. He I thought his answer that you tweeted out about uh, Riley was interesting. I thought it was the best take. Yeah. Well, because that's, Al, you know, we'll get into that in a sec. But I look at the orders and Getzel, I don't see him as the option in Edmonton, just for me. Mm-hmm. I, I would rather, you know, tweak their... I'm pretty hell bent on the orders needing to improve their fourth line. Right. And, and, and I've said it and I'll keep, ha- I think a duo because Dowd, we know is going to cost you a first rounder, but if you get Beck Malenstein with him, they play together all the time. So you have chemistry right there. It's now you're just having one guy that has to play in the And line. they're, they have, they're for more than this year, right? Like one's an well, RFA. Malenstein's and the an RFA and Dowd right. hasn't. So that's the other thing, right? No. So you're, and, and if both, this deal goes off, everybody's going to have to buy you lunch because you've been talking it up so uh, much. Well, but, but it makes sense, honestly, like for, for the Edmonton owners, it makes a lot of sense. It's a fourth line center who's in a, who you can play him in Malenstein against the other team's top guys. Not all the time. But they play on average more against the best players than anybody does in Washington. Yeah. And, and defensive zone faceoffs, which are the toughest. Yes. No. And their numbers are good, Al. Mm-hmm. So I, I look at that and say, hey, if you can do it, and if I have to give up a first, but I get both of those players, and you know, you're know, you going to have a prospect, and you're going to throw in Yanmark or whoever to make yeah. the money work. I get mm-hmm. all that. But to me, that's one that's – now, other guys might offer more, yeah. right? So it all depends on what the offer is. But I, I'd look at that, and then if I could get a, a Duclair or somebody else on the, on the second line – I, I would prefer that than swing everything and put it in Gensel. Well, I'm all for keeping Broberg and Holloway. And and I, the first-round pick is – by the time the first-round yeah. pick helps you, I don't care about that. No, especially That's if fine. you can get guys under multiple-year deals. Right. And so the 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 – and I also am worried that, that like, and we've talked about this before, I love Jordan Everly, but I don't know that he would come in and be better than, than say, Warren Fogel on the yeah, second line. I actually think Seattle's going to re-sign him. That'd no. be my guess. But I, I agree with you. Everly, I know Wanye Gretz would love him. And there's, you know, there's people remember Jordan Everly's a really good player. There's there's no doubt. I don't no. think he's, he's not the missing piece for me. No, and... and no disrespect, he's had a terrific career, and that was a hell of a draft pick by the Oilers. Oh God! But he's at a, he's at that stage, and they've already got enough guys. Like for me, the the getting a guy who has term, but also is is has legs, and I don't mean necessarily speed, but is it like twenty seven instead of thirty three mm-hmm. or thirty four? I yeah, think that's that makes, really important. That's that's totally fair. Yeah. Um, okay, we have to talk about the Super Bowl. I thought, and I said earlier today. I don't know how to fix it. I'm not a football guy, but the the 49ers defense, not that the Chiefs looked like they were running sprints in the fourth quarter. They looked done in the fourth quarter. They looked like they had just had enough and then a little bit. And it's funny because it's not like Kansas City had been putting together lengthy sh- yeah. uh, drive after lengthy drive and it just you came to the fourth quarter and like, "Oh my god, we've been on the field this long." Right? Like I think it's a culmination of in the second half the 49ers had three consecutive three and outs. Right. And so that's where it starts to, I think, just... So you know how you fix it, Al? You don't go three and out on offense in three consecutive series. To me, no. that was the that was the downfall. And it's funny, because I said it going into the weekend, like, 
it was still hard for me to think that the Chiefs defense, as good as Patrick Mahomes is, the mm-hmm. Chiefs defense was even on par. Like Mahomes deserved the MVP, no question. The decision making made, throwing the ball, key times he's running the ball, it was fantastic. I thought he managed that game incredibly well. Yep. Right. But their defense to get those stops time after time after time in the second half was huge for that team. Yeah, and they they the thing about the Chiefs defense and, and championship teams do this. It, you need a little bit of luck, and they seem to get it at the right time, you know. And and turnovers occur. I mean, the first drive of the game that they looked, San Francisco looked so strong. You score there, and you kind of set the tone. You know, you punch it in for a touchdown. I I felt like the, even late, I felt like this the the 49ers could win this thing, but the 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 pass to win the Super Bowl was the easiest pitch and catch ever because they didn't have the torque. The The 49ers didn't cover it. They didn't have the torque. They were just out of breath. Well, you watch Tony Romo describe what happened on the outside and the timing of that pattern where number seven on defense, once he thought that Herdman was coming in, now he checks down into Kelsey and he can't get now. That's yep. where he's going and he's done. Yep. And it was the exact same play, the corn dog, that they ran against your Eagles last year. Yeah, to win not the Super that Bowl. I remember that, Jason. <laughs> I, you know, I, and, and and I love Andy Reid, so I'm glad that, that he's he's there for all of the good times. So my question to you is, if you're the Chargers or the Bills uh, or the Dolphins, all of whom are represented by people in our building who work on Sports 1440, how do you get back past Kansas City? Like, what do you do at the draft or what do you do to, to game plan against, I mean, fourth and one, he runs for 15 for God's sakes. That's, well, that's what I talked about. If, if you look right now at, at the Chiefs, I'm sure... Bills fans are like shuddering because they're like, God, we did this for a decade and a half with Brady, right? And Dolphins fans, like that division was basically you had no chance yep. for the longest time. And I'm sure Raiders fans, Chargers fans look at the Chiefs because everybody thought, oh, everybody hopes that this is the year of the Chiefs. Now you look at Snead and they got a lot of guys for potentially free agents. Chris Jones might leave and, you know, it could be a blow to their defense. We'll see what happens. But They've always found ways to get it done. And like, look at Valdez Scantling. Like that guy dropped how many balls at different <laughs> times during the year and then makes a huge catch, right, in the, in the end zone for a touchdown, no less, yeah. in, the, in the Super Bowl. So uh, I give the Chiefs a lot of credit because, you know, when Kelsey got healthy, clearly he was banged up. And, and I think that's the one. I'm always, when I see players who, who struggle much more than you expect, I don't think their skill just erodes. No, unless they're 40. Yeah. I think a lot of times you have to look and say, okay, now it could be a progression slow down, but like Kelsey was like almost a non-factor. Now it also didn't help because the receivers kept dropping two or three balls a game out. Right. But that would normally it would extend drives. But once he got healthy, like you look at him in the, in the conference final and then in the Super Bowl. Look how good he was. Uh, well, that was going on. A man named Nick Taylor was doing... Dude, that was unreal. Stunning stuff at the waistband. I'm, I'm like, you know, he's he's already like... I think he's a, an easy guy to cheer for because of what he did at the Canadian Open. And mm-hmm. this this was just like... Because when you're when you're trying... When you're being aggressive as a golfer, you might, you might have two birdies in a row, but you're going to put something in the drink. And he was just lights out brilliant. Well, I was watching the first half at first round because we had our uh, fantasy uh, team, the guys in our football league got together and stuff. And so we're watching it, but they had the golf on as well as the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Well, I was watching the golf more because, you know, I'm watching Taylor and he's down. Oh, man, like it was close. And then all of a sudden, Charlie Hoffman with a crazy eagle, by the way, <laughs> yeah. right? Puts him, suddenly he's got a three-stroke lead. And you're like, oh, geez. But 
Now he birdies 50, then he birdies 60, then he birdies 18 to tie. And the fact that he birdied the same hole three consecutive times, Al, oh. stunning to me. Like to birdie, come down the stretch, and he literally had to birdie five or six to win, and he birdies five or six to win. It was, it was clutch beyond clutch for him. And, uh, you know, unfortunate for Hoffman, he's a really likable guy. There's no question about it. But, you know, I loved his reaction. Like, what do you do in that point? You're just like, yep. like golf's different because there, you can maybe put pressure on the other guy in a sense. But if that guy's stroking it well, you just got to hope that you can stroke it just as well and, and make the putts. And, and Taylor, it wasn't like they were gimmies, Al, like 11 and a oh, half. Oh, yeah, no. Right. Nine and a half. Those are those are tough putts, but man, that was it's awesome to see for him. And uh, you know the the Canadian young players. You know with Hadman, obviously got Brooke Henderson on the on the women's side. It's golf's fun to watch if you're a Canadian yeah. fan right now and you like the Canadians. It is for sure. What's coming up on the show? Well, we are going to uh, talk a lot about the weekend out. We're, we're going to touch base on the the unnecessary level of hyperbole that has gone on in the last forty eight hours um, surrounding a certain situation in the sporting world. So we'll get to that. Well, what could that be? And uh, well, we're going to talk, of course, uh, the orders and uh, some areas where I think uh, you could see some tweaks that got it. Ch- and really, like they got to find a drill, Al, that just allows them to finish their chances. Because no. even in L.A., they created some good chances. They right? did. In Vegas, they pro- the Vegas game for sure. L.A., maybe not so much. But the Vegas game, I thought they should have won. But the L.A. game, you get behind and it's tough to come from behind on the Kings. But the orders... They gotta find a way in the first period to be in the game. It's it's become it's become too many weeks now where their first periods are kind of lethargic. Yep. And you, they, I get that you want to be sound defensively, but that doesn't mean that you can't be a little bit more assertive offensively. Yeah, aggression. That's a good thing. All right, Jason. Thank you. Look forward to the show. Thanks, Al. Uh, Jason Greger.